Hey everybody, it is Trags, Mike Petralia, back with another episode of the Jungle Roar podcast on the Jungle Roar YouTube network. I am thrilled to welcome back the one and only James Rapine of allbengals.com, si.com, and of course, the Locked On podcast. We were together down in New York, cover actually New Jersey, the swamps of Jersey, right up from the Vince Lombardi uh, rest area, which I frequent uh often on my trips to New Jersey. We were at MetLife Stadium covering the Bengals' first win of 2022. How are you doing, James? I'm doing well, Trags. I appreciate you having me. No, well, uh, do you notice I got a haircut to honor uh, your um, hairstyle? Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you might have less. For the first time in our lives, you might have less hair than me right now. Now, I need a cut. I'm getting a little fluffy here. Uh, so who knows, maybe by Thursday night, I'll have a cut. I don't know if there's enough time on this short week, but yeah, it's, uh, it is kind of odd with you, you having short hair, but I do think it looks good, my friend. Yeah. It's just easier to manage and it's all during the football season. It's all about maintenance and moving on to the next game, which is Thursday night. You mentioned it is a short week. Uh, the Bengals don't have a lot of time to savor their first win of the year. And I don't think they should. I mean, it was a, an efficient 27 to 12 win over the jets. They did a lot of good things, namely played a good first half and played with the lead, which Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor said they needed to do as we quickly wrap up what went well in the jets game. I thought Joe Burrow uh, stretching the field deep and the interior offensive line, giving him terrific, or as he called it, firm protection uh, up the middle, allowed him to step up in the pocket and make some of those deep shots down the field to um, T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Yeah, I, I think that that's the biggest difference. I don't think the offensive line was significantly improved, and part of it was the opponent. They weren't as talented. There's no Micah Parsons, TJ Watt, et cetera, on the other side. But they were a little bit better. But the key was giving Burrow somewhere to go. Mm, when the right. pocket collapses, he's able to move up. He's able to spin out. He's able to do those things. And those things, one, I didn't feel like he handled the pocket well in the first couple of weeks. But two, there was a, it wasn't a ton to work with. And so they did just enough so he could make something happen. And I thought this was by far Joe Burrow's best game of the season and just in time, right? Because they're going to need him to be that. I, I think that's what we've learned. The one thing we've learned over the first three weeks and the offensive line could improve and continue to get better, but they aren't going to be this dominant line. That's not happening. They're not going to just wake up and be the fifth best offensive line in the NFL. So they're going to need Joe Bro, the magician, to, to be magical. And we saw it last year, and we got glimpses of it in week three. They're certainly going to need that again on Thursday night. They're also going to need him to be a sixth offensive lineman. Tom Brady would always say sometimes you have to, as a quarterback, you have to be your own offensive lineman and know where the pocket is moving. And I think Burrow is very good at doing that. We saw that when he got red hot last year, that's what we saw. We saw Joe Burrow sliding around in the pocket, sliding up in the pocket, and he's fully capable of doing that. He did it in college. He's a terrific athlete. I think people forget, James, how good an athlete Joe Burrow is. Yeah. It, it, I was reminded about it uh, when he talked about the Donovan Mitchell uh, relationship and him reaching out to Donovan Mitchell. And I thought I was like, man, who would Joe Burrow be if he was on this current Cavaliers team? And we won't go too into the weeds here, but he was obviously a fan of LeBron James growing up. You know what the Cavs need 
They need a three, a shooting forward that can make threes and stand in the corner. Joe Burrow's Kyle Korver. So yeah, I think that's, that's enough NBA, but yeah, he is a good athlete was really good at making jump shots back in the day. And uh, I, I think he would uh, love to, to sit in the corner and shoot threes. As much as it, it was important, James, for Joe Burrow uh, to get his groove on and get it, get it back for the first time in 2022, uh, Trey Hendrickson, the AFC Defensive Player of the Week, uh, thanks to his two and a half sacks, his two strip sacks that were included in that. He had a very active game. Part of that, of course, is the Bengals playing with the lead, playing from ahead instead of from behind. And Trey Hendrickson and Lou Anarumo could dial up a much more aggressive pass rush. And I thought the Bengals did a very good job uh, of activating him. And uh, actually, even late in the game, they rested him on the Jets' uh, initial drive of the fourth quarter. And I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson were on the sideline. They did not come into that drive until midway through, and they made a big impact when they did. I think getting Trey Hendrickson activated uh, in week three was a big, big deal. It is. It's a, a huge deal. And it gets his confidence going at the right time because he's going to face arguably his toughest matchup of the year on Thursday. Because uh, Teron Armstead is, yep. or Taron Armstead is. Uh, Teron. No, you're right. It's Teron. Teron. Yeah. Teron Armstead is one of the best left tackles in the game. I'm not going to say the best, but he's right there. And you can make the argument that, you know, right there with the Trent Williams of the world. And yeah, he's on the wrong side of 30 and he didn't practice this week with a toe. Well, guess what? He's going to suit up on Thursday and he is an Uber athlete that can win with strength and speed and footwork and all of those things. And guess what? Trey Hendrickson's going to have his hands full. And I think one of the storylines in this game, how does Lou Anarumo and Marion hobby, how do they find ways to scheme around that? Maybe they, do and we we saw this in camp and I, I keep thinking about this the stunts with Joseph Osai yep maybe you have Osai inside Hendrickson outside and flip them and try to get Hendrickson on a guard and, and see what what happens there so yeah it's it's going to be interesting because on paper as good as Hendrickson is Armstead is better and they are familiar with each other because they were both teammates in New Orleans so it's going to be a, an interesting matchup. I think it'll be a fascinating matchup. And I think we did see some of that on Sunday against the Jets and have seen it a, quite a bit, actually, uh, throughout the first three weeks of the season with Osai and Hendrickson lining up side-by-side uh, side with Sam Hubbard on the other side. Um, get your, getting your thoughts on how the Bengals compensate now uh, with the loss of DJ Reader. He's going to be out uh, for an indefinite period of time. Kelsey Conway was the first of the Cincinnati Inquirer to uh, report that he his left knee injury is going to keep him out a while. The good news is that the player, uh, DJ Reader, and uh, the team, the Bengals, do not feel it's a season-ender. And the fact that it's not a season ender, I think, bodes well for the Bengals. But they're going to have to find guys to step up uh, and help B.J. Hill in the middle of the defensive line. They are. And it's kind of funny. You go back to cut down day and the Bengals added three guys. All three are going to be active on Thursday. Yep. And J2 Fele will make his debut. And that's going to be the fill in. And is it going to be in Dominican Sue? They're not going to go after one of these guys. It's Jay Tufele, a guy that they claimed in, in were awarded on, on waivers because they had a high draft grade on him, and he's only a second-year player. And no, he's not DJ Reader. Guess what? DJ Readers don't grow on trees. 
And Dominican Sue isn't even close to what DJ Reader is at this stage of his career. He's just not. And so that's going to be it. It's going to be him. It's going to be BJ Hill. It's going to be, you know, obviously Josh Tupo, but then you're going to have a hybrid of guys behind them where Carter. Joseph Osai could play inside Zach Carter, of course, Cam Sample, and, and they're going to have to rotate some, but they are going to have to just change the way they play defense because DJ Reader is that good. He's their best defensive player. He's better than Hendrickson. He's, he's more consistent than Bates. He's better than whoever you want to say. And, and so not having him, I think he's going to go on injured reserve tracks. Wouldn't be shocked if he's out until after the bye. So it's, it's a, going to be an extended stay here for, for reader, but you're right. Overall, it's, it's not as bad as it could be in the other part of this, this Miami dolphins team, they want to throw it. So reader. Yeah. That interior pass rush. He was your best interior pass rusher by far, which is wild coming from a nose tackle just shows how big of a freak he is, yep. but He's also the guy you want to have against the Ravens and other teams like that. This matchup this week on a short week, I think they can survive without him because of what he brings in the run game. And the Dolphins, let's be honest, they want to throw it around the field. No question. Chase uh, Edmonds um, had a couple of touchdowns last week uh, in the 21-19 win over the Bills, but he's not going to scare you the way the uh, perimeter guys are going to scare you. And there's your segue into the opponent on Thursday night. Speed, speed, speed. So here's what I think, James Rapine of allbengals.com and Locked On, <laughs> Locked On Bengals podcast host. Um, I think Luana Rumo is going to dig out, <laughs> dig out the game plan from uh, last year against Kansas City when the uh, Bengals had to find a way to handle the speed of KC with Tyreek Hill on it. Tyreek Hill, obviously now with the Dolphins. And you're talking about Jalen Waddell, somebody else uh, who is an incredibly explosive, fast player. Bring out that game plan. Do against the Dolphins what they did against the Chiefs. What say you? No. No? It doesn't work. It, do it doesn't work that way. And, and the reason it doesn't work that way, and I get what you're saying, and you're right. You don't want to get beat deep. So from that respect, you're right. Tua Tungavailoa isn't Patrick Mahomes. And I know he's played well, and he's going to suit up Thursday too. I'm not, I don't buy into right. any of this. Uh, I agree. Play. It's I agree. ridiculous. Oh, I will. Good thing we have Teddy Bridgewater. All right, Mike McDaniel. I thought you were supposed to be uh, the honest coach at the podium. You know, come on, Tua's playing. Anyways, uh, he's playing. They, they do a lot of, and I know Patrick Mahomes did this with Tyree Kill. But it's not like they have to push the ball way down the field. They just like getting the ball in their playmakers' hands. And so I think, I think it's a unique hybrid. Obviously, you want to treat Tyreek Hill the way you did. But you also faced Mike McDaniel last year when he was with the 49ers. And so you almost have to combine those game plans because Tua is limited. Tua is closer to Jimmy G. I'm not buying it. I'm just not. Tua is closer to Jimmy G than he is Patrick Mahomes. So you have a limited quarterback. But more weapons, you know, in, in as fast as any team in the league. So you can't get beat deep, but you also have a quarterback that's limited that's not going to throw off platform 60 yards downfield on a frozen That rope. is correct. I 100% I agree with that. He, can, he cannot make the throws that Mahomes can on the run. And, and, and so that's, that's the balance, right? It can't be full Chiefs where it's like, hey, beat us with the run and check downs. And, and it also can't be full 49ers because they have that speed and Tua is capable of doing it. So I think it's a weird hybrid between the two, 
But oddly enough, I, I, I think the Bengals are pretty well suited to do so. What do they have? They have a star safety that's supposed to be as good at, at playing deep as any safety in the league. They have two corners who went up against Tyreek Hill last year and are used to it. Or three, if you count Mike Hilton, who's going to be lined up against these guys when they line up in Probably the slot. Probably right? Or, or no, the slot. It depends on how Lou wants to use Mike Hilton in this game. Do, do, do you want to use him on a waddle? Or uh, obviously Tyreek Hill or Cedric uh, Wilson there's a chance you could line Hilton up against the slot guy and just leave him be. You could have Trey Flowers on Kaseki. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just going to be interesting not to interrupt you, but the, how they no, you're good. How they decide to travel, uh, which has been their um, tendency to do with Cheeto Awuzie. Do they travel him with Tyree Kill? Do they travel him with Jalen Waddle? I don't, I almost don't think so. Right. Uh, and we'll see. You're right. Maybe they do. Um, Cause who's the number one there. Are we sure it's Tyreek? No. <laughs> one and one a really. I, th- that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, it, it's just like the dolphin. Like, are we sure that Jamar is the number one for the bank? Yeah. I mean, I think he's be- a little better than T, but T could easily go out there and just shred you. So does it really matter who's one and one a, um, but the other part of this and fans have mentioned it. And I'll be quite frank, and no one knows this besides me and Dax Hill. I told Dax Hill last week, hey, man, that Miami game, they're going to need you. That's when. You want to talk about speed? Yep. Dax Hill's got speed. Dax Hill's got athleticism. He's a better athlete and faster than Jesse Bates. He's a better athlete, and he's faster than Mike Hilton. He's a better athlete and faster than Eli Apple. Cheeto, Cheeto's a freak. Not going there, and Cheeto will tell you. I think Cheeto's the most humble, cocky, confident guy in the world because the the fact on Wednesday he was like, "Well, you got to have it to stop it." When yep. talking about speed, yep. it's such a great line because <laughs> he's like, "You think they're fast? I'm fast too." That's how I took that. So, how do they use Dax Hill? And in, does he met like is he involved? Because Trey Flowers isn't running like Hill is, and so Dax Hill. I mean, Hill can fly too. So that's the element here, the wild card here. And the other wild card, Akeem Davis-Gaither it had a good game last week. Can you use him in different ways? Maybe can he stick with Mike Gusecki long enough in, in, in certain packages? You know, Jermaine Pratt can't. Maybe Akeem Davis-Gaither and Logan Wilson can't. And I'm just curious to see how much nickel and dime, we're going to see a lot of nickel. How much dime do we see? Six defensive backs. And I think you're going to see a lot of it. And I think the Bengals just keep everything in front of you, make Tua move the ball slowly up the field, give them, you know, the five and 10 yard completions. If he can complete the pass, let him do that. Uh, Just do not let Tyree kill catch the ball 10 yards down the field and then race 60 yards. That you can't let them Jamar you, essentially. Yeah. And that, you know, the Bengals did a great job last year with uh, scheming Jamar on intermediate uh, routes and even some shorter uh, in cuts and then letting him take off with a ball. That's where you've got to be careful. I think you're to your point in a game like this where Tua is not going to necessarily threaten you vertically and deep, he's going to try to get it done underneath in space. Yeah. And, and so what you need to do is you need to 
get enough pressure on him to where the pressure is going to impact him as he waits to see if those guys are going to come open downfield. And, and that's the key. Cause he is capable of, of dinking and dunking. And I think he's comfortable doing that. And so you got to take advantage of this offensive line that has some weaknesses and, and get hits on him and get off to a fast enough start where they can't just slowly make him almost get a, a little uncomfortable in the pocket and need to try to push it or feel the need to push it downfield. Um, this team has been a good tackling team. I'll give them that. And so if you're right, if you keep those guys in front of you and make the plays and make the tackles, you should feel pretty good about it, especially because this offense needs to take another step yep. against a, no a defense. And I'm just going to give one tidbit here. The Dolphins defense, the quarterback rating that they're giving up in the first three games, 104.5. All right. It's high. And so the Bengals need to take advantage of that if they're going to win on Thursday. How scared are you of Xavier Howard? Can you can you play around him? I guess to your point, uh, if they've if they've given up 104 quarterback rating, they can be attacked. No doubt. I, I actually think that the Bengals dealt with some really tough corners last week. And you know, might not have the star power yet of Xavier Howard. Sauce Gardner is a freak. Yep. DJ Reed has been great through three weeks. That Jets team isn't bad. Like I, Joe Flacco was bad on Sunday. That Jets team is not bad. I like a lot of their pieces, man. And so I think they're oddly capable. Now, is it going to be a battle? Are they just going to move up and down the field and just crush? Them? No, but Xavier Howard can't be everywhere. And yeah, they have Melvin Ingram and they have a couple guys, you know, Watkins that, you know, that can pass rush on the inside. I, I get it, but this offense needs to take a step. And that, that's the thing is when you look at the, the height of the AFC, you're going to win because you, your offense makes one more play. Like the Bills, if their offense made one more play or the smart play, Ken Dorsey wouldn't have been slamming stuff and losing his mind, which, by the way, I don't blame him one bit. I would have too, and the clock wouldn't have ran out. We wouldn't be talking about an undefeated Dolphins team. We would be talking about a two-and-one Dolphins team. And so I, as weird as it sounds, Trags, and I know all the over-unders have, have hit under, and it's been like a weird low-scoring uh, league through three weeks across the NFL. I think that the offense, all eyes are on the offense for me. Obviously, you got to keep those guys in front of you and keep the, the Dolphins from beating you deep. But I'm worried about this offense. Can they get in gear? Because I think they're going to need to be in gear, that fifth, sixth gear, if they're going to beat the Dolphins on Thursday. You are a segue machine today, James Rapine of SI.com and allbengals.com because the last two subjects subjects I want to address are on the offense and two lightning rods, if you will, in the first three weeks. Do you know who they are? Take take a guess at who they are. Right and left tackle. You got one of them, right tackle and the running back. Oh. L. Collins and Joe Mixon. I think there's been a lot of speculation as to their effectiveness uh, and their reliability, right? And dependability. And Joe Mixon has had two runs in double figures this year, one of 31 yards against the Steelers and one of 10 yards uh, against the Cowboys. And last week, and his long run last week was nine yards. And I asked Brian Callahan yesterday, the offensive coordinator, you know, what gives how frustrated do you think Joe Mixon is? And do you think he's trying to be too precise 
I didn't say too cute, but too precise, looking for that perfect hole to, to pop and and have an explosive run. And he said, you have to ask Joe that, but I don't. that's not what I see on film. What do you see when you watch Joe Mixon in these first three games as he's averaging 2.8 yards a pop? I see a back that is getting the least amount he can get with what he's given. And for a lot of, a lot of his career, he's made the most and gotten the most out of what was there and made defenders miss in the backfield. He's used to playing behind bad lines. I don't want to hear about the line is as weird as that sounds. And I don't think they've been good at run blocking, but putting it on the line would be like, Oh, well, I didn't see Joe Mixon play well behind a bad line in 17, 18, 19 at times, uh, 2020, certainly before his injury. And then last year, career year, the line was bad last year. And yet they found ways and he found ways to make defenders miss. There's a couple things. I, I think the, the first one, he was pretty good against the Steelers. The past two weeks have been rough and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because of the ankle. I don't know if he just doesn't trust the offensive line yet. If there's just not enough rapport there with all these new guys, I don't know what it is. I also think that the difference, and a lot of people have brought up some AJP Ryan and how he ran at the end of that week three win over the Jets. I think the difference is Mixon sometimes sees it and he's like, I'm only going to get three yards here. I need to go over here. Maybe there's more. And instead, now he stopped for no gain. Right. And Pirine's like, Good I'm point. just going to run right through. Right. I know I'm going to get hit. I know it's not going to be a huge run, but it's going to be three yards. And then I'm going to hit the linebacker and run through him or fall forward to make it four. I mean, P. Ryan averaged 5.2 a carry. His yep. long was seven yards. <laughs> His long was seven yards, Treggs. That means every carry was four to seven. <laughs> you don't have a one-yard carry in there with nine carries and average 5.2. just doesn't happen unless you have a big, long run, and he didn't. So I, uh, they, they need Mixon to be efficient. They don't need him to be a star. In this offense, you don't need a star running back. You, you really don't. And it, you need him to be efficient, and he hasn't been efficient the past two weeks. Correct. And I think that's, uh, as you normally are, spot on with that observation. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, I do hand out compliments pretty cheaply, so don't get too excited. Um, yeah, I know you do. Believe me. I know. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Um, here on the Jungle Roar podcast with James Rapino of allbengals.com. Now, what I was going to say is, I think that since Mixon injured his ankle in that Steeler game in the opener, he does not look as confident with that first step. And the first step to me with a guy like Joe Mixon, his first step, his first cut is really what I should say. His first cut is usually the telltale sign of him being a good running back because he makes one cut and he goes. Mixon looks not like the old Joe Mixon we've seen in the past. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I and it might be it. It might be as simple as he's injured. By the way, all right. Well, then just use P. Ryan more. Maybe get Chris Evans a few more snaps. Like, don't just play him because of his contract. No. And I know that's that's wild. And I'm not saying don't play Mixon. But, in, and you said it earlier, they rested Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. And then they came in and made a play. I would rather 10 good snaps, yes. fresh snaps, explosive 100%. snaps for Mixon, and i'm not saying play him only 10 snaps but i would rather that than 20 meh, snaps so and, and so th that's the balance and I, I maybe it's not the ankle maybe he's just playing bad i don't know 
I, we don't, don't want to just make excuses. And Joe's not going to talk about that. Uh, that for sure. I, he's not going. I don't think he's going to talk. Not until he has a good game and he feels good. Look, Joe Mixon is one of those guys, in case you don't know, he likes to talk when things are going well. And when he doesn't, and I, and I respect this, I'm not criticizing Joe Mixon for this. When things are not going well, he'd rather just keep his mouth shut, go about his business and try to find the solution. What popped into my mind when you were talking about Chris Evans is it looks as though Mixon's running a little bit like Chris Evans was running last year when the Bengals told him, get, make one cut and go. Don't wait. Don't dance. And I think Mixon is doing too much of his running behind the line of scrimmage. Real quick, on the before we get to Lael Collins and before I forget it, I do not ever want to see a 15-yard lateral run to gain half a foot or a foot on fourth down. Do you ever want to see that again? Oh, no. uh, to me, in, that's in, an easy in, answer. And Zach, Zach admitted he was wrong. No, I just, I literally just watched the replay in my head. And that's what the sigh was. It's just, and you know why I don't want that? Because that didn't work in training camp ever. No, they ran not. that play. And now we can talk about it because they ran it in real life. And we could talk about it. And I tried to hint at it on Lockdown Bengals. They ran this play always and guess what there were seven defenders in the area in fact i think seven fans from the crowd made it all the way over on one play to tackle jamar chase one day during camp i mean it was covered it, it there was never room and you're talking about the best athlete on the team the best athlete on the team they just they have not blocked that well and so i love getting jamar chase and the idea of getting jamar chase more touches and feed him that's what you do. I would rather you hand it off to him straight up the Jamar, straight up the middle, right. pick a lane and go. I, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't but mind this like slow developing screen. play. I Ugh, wouldn't trans. mind a wide line him up outside and tell Joe, Joe, get the ball, throw it to Jamar and have Jamar go straight ahead because there's, you can't tell me that he couldn't gain half a foot or a foot, whatever it was uh, on fourth down, just by catching the ball and running straight forward. He can do that. Yeah, he, he can. Absolutely. I would rather that. I Yeah. I mean, there's just, and, and Zach admitted it, but here's the thing. And you can't be perfect, but the margin for error on Thursday, you can't have those. You have to get that first down. You have to, because let's say the Bengals get off to a hot start. Let's say they're 17 to three midway through the third quarter and the defense is all over. You don't get that third down and you have to punt it. And Eli Apple slips and Tyreek Hill says, peace out. <laughs> and now everything flips. Yep. Like it's that quick with this offense in, in Miami. It can be that quick. They are that fast. They are that explosive. And so if they're going to get to two and two, you can't have a, oh, gee, golly. Can't call that play again. Well, well damn it. You, that can't happen. So you just hope he learns because things like that are just they they don't kill you against the Jets when you're in control against Joe Flacco. They might kill you against Tua, Tyreek, Jalen, Mike McDaniel, and the Dolphins. All right, we're going to get on to L. Collins here. Uh, Brian Callahan spoke about him on Tuesday evening. They'd love for him to be able to practice, but Brian Callahan acknowledged the important thing is we get him ready for Sundays. 
and in this case, Thursday. Get them ready for game days. That's really what matters. I'm happy with that. If L. Collins is going to be the healthiest LC possible on game days and we get out of LC what we got on Sunday, I think the Bengals and Bengal fans and Houday Nation would accept that as right tackle. You? Yeah, I think he had his best game as a Bengal. I think whatever he's dealing with is clearly impacting him and and he's been more stiff uh, than we're used to seeing. And so you hope that the rest part helps. And so this is going to be a tough game for him just because of the rest alone. I think that that part is tough. There's not much time to rest in between Sunday and Thursday. Uh, You can attest to that. I can attest that the players certainly can. Right. And so kind of the key stretch here in the first half of the season can Lyle Collins get through Thursday night and play well? And then this mini buy, just give him every, um, every treatment you can give him to get that back going right and, and get things going, send a personal, um, you know, masseuse, deep tissue massage, do whatever you need to do to try to get that back loosened and as healthy as possible. Cause this is the last break until the buy, and it is going to be a grind and, Look, I know a lot of people have been critical of LC. If you don't, you're not, you won't appreciate LC until LC is not there. Correct. And what's behind him is, is, is worse. There's a reason they brought him in. And so has he been great? No. Has he been serviceable? I think he was better week three and can be serviceable. And I will take that. So hopefully he can give that to them and, and stay healthy and stay on the field. I'm going to paraphrase here because I can't uh, because I didn't do a good job preparing this part of the podcast. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase what Brian Callahan said about uh, Lael Collins. He said, there are things that he does that nobody else on the roster at that position, right tackle can do. He has the size and he has the experience and there is just something and a toughness that Elsie brings to that spot that nobody else can. In other words, if you think Hakeem Adenogy can just step in and be LC, he can't. And I think that was, uh, and again, a hat tip here to uh, Kelsey Conway, who asked Callahan about this. There's this, you know, this assumption out there, just plug somebody else in there and he's going to be LC. Well, he's not. And that, that's the reason they signed him in the offseason to the three-year contract is that when he's right or even close to right, LC can be a difference maker along that offensive line. I just want to see the Bengals run behind L. Collins more, get Joe Mixon right on his butt and say, I'm going to open the path. Just wait for me to open it and then go. I think that's better, frankly, at this point than the wide zone. Uh, Frank uh, Pollock. I I do in this particular case, I think it's better just to get, Mix and engage just to get LC engaged. Just pick a spot, go and have him pancake one or two guys uh, in the defense and you'll get rhythm. And that I think would be very valuable to this team. I do think that one of the bigger disappointments through three weeks has been the fact that they can't get that ground game going specifically on the right side. I thought Collins Kappa, that duo would just be able to crush what I thought opponents and we haven't seen that and so maybe that happens thursday maybe that's the route they go they say all right elsie we're not going to ask you to pass block 52 times we're going to do this 
I also think that's a bit unrealistic given what we've seen from this offense uh, in, in this offensive line. But yes, get that going. And, and maybe it's Samaj P. Ryan, whatever it is. If they could, that would help out Joe Burrow. It would help out everybody. It would make it life easier for everyone, including this offensive line. So hopefully we see it. But yeah, Lel Collins is, is a very unique talent. And he's someone, even now, mm-hmm. that if you can get him to the game day and get him at you know 85% of, of where he's at or 95% or whatever it is, the percentage is on game day and resting him throughout the week, I, I don't blame them. That, that, that was the Andrew Whitworth treatment for his entire Rams career. And Collins isn't as nearly as old as Whitworth was. It doesn't matter. It's about right. getting the most out of your guys on Sunday. If, if T Higgins goes up for a ball, like he did on that first drive uh, in, in practice, people are gonna be like, no, don't do that. When do you do that? You do that in the game. So when it's showtime, yep. it's showtime. So we'll see. Um, yeah. The running game, as you, as we've both covered um, ad nauseum here in the first three weeks. It's just not been there. Um, They have 87 carries, 291 yards, 3.3 average. Um, I just think eventually at one of these days, they're going to bust open a couple of big runs. It's going to set up their play action. And um, I think, I think the offense scores 30 points this week, to your point. I really do. I think they're going to take advantage of some weaknesses uh, in the, uh, Miami secondary uh, that there were, that weren't there against the Jets, and we'll see. I have the Bengals winning this week, getting back to two and two, heading into their mini buy. Um, what are you looking forward to? As we have only a minute left here, uh, what are, what are you looking forward to the most? The white helmets or watching Isaac Curtis and Willie Anderson's names going up? Oh, I mean, watching Willie and Isaac. Um... And, and not just because it's Willie and Isaac, because it's a ring of honor and it's something that should have, you know, been going on. And I, I think um, as someone who grew up in Cincinnati and, and didn't know because the internet and stuff, I, I remember the days of no internet. I didn't know who Isaac Curtis was when I was seven. He is my favorite Bengal, James. It, of all time. But, but, think about, but think about that. I didn't know because there was no internet. And, and there was no way to do that. Ken Riley had no idea. Right. Yes. And so this, and the reason I think that that's special is because my kids and their kids and everybody, they're going to know who Willie Anderson is, even though I watched him play. Right. And so that's the part of it. So that, I mean, the white helmets are cool. They're fun. The ring of honor is that's forever. That's a really cool thing. Yeah. And it's going to be a whiteout. It's going to be a one of a kind, unique atmosphere. It'll be on Amazon prime nationally. It'll be on channel 12 WKRC uh, locally. Uh, no WCPO. Right? Yeah. Channel nine, channel nine, channel WCPO nine. 815 on Thursday night. He is James Rapine. He does a great job covering all things Bengals for naturally all Bengals.com. He also has, I think the best, daily podcast anywhere covering football the all bang uh, the locked wow. on bengals podcast i uh, wouldn't say that if i didn't mean it james uh you do a wonderful job i want to thank you for joining me on this podcast be sure to click on the youtube link below here at the jungle roar podcast youtube page and subscribe to the jungle roar podcast wherever you listen to your podcast with james for pain i'm mike petralia thanks for watching